What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast, Wednesday night, May 1st. John LaRocca, as usual, is my co-host. John, what's up, man? Not much. Just uh, another week. Excited to talk some wrestling, some UFC, whatever we have on the docket. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited because we're going to hit every one of the three sports uh, today. And I haven't even told you what we're going to talk about because every time I say, hey, you know, I'm going to give you the show rundown, you're like, no, I, I, I'm just, I, let's just call it in the ring. That's how, that's how I'd be as a wrestler. We're not going over anything. We're not calling nope. any spots. We're just calling it in the ring. It's not this choreographed crap. <laughs> <laughs> and we're holding it to one super kick. Yes. No <laughs> one leg slap. <laughs> so, uh, as we start, the, the first thing I want to do is give a shout out and a wish wish of good luck and good health to one of your best friends, Tom Caster, WWE NXT referee. Uh, I know he had an, uh, an unfortunate injury in the ring, but if you want to look on the bright side, he's over. He's he's more over than the Easter Bunny on his day right now. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's like an unfortunate incident injury that ended up being kind of a lucky break i mean like it's getting all this positive attention because you know he finished the match you know tom's a pro he's a pro he's he's the best referee i've ever seen ever worked with i mean he loves this business a lot so like he knows his he knew we had to do in that finish and broken ankle and all he's still gonna get it done and it just cracks me up seeing memes of him and, <laughs> and my Twitter feed was blown up with Tom Caster this, Tom Caster that. And it's just and Tom's a guy that doesn't look for the limelight. No, referees. no, he'd rather not have it at all. No, referees, that's not their job. It's not their job to have the limelight. They're not supposed to stand out. They they're there to help the match, guide the match. Um you know, keep everything going and bring some legitimacy to the to the match. A good referee does, and Tom does that. And you know, but he doesn't want to be known as the you know referee Tom Caster. He just wants to do his job, do his best to enhance the matches his as his abilities, and make sure those two guys or two gals or four guys, you know, you know, in the ring all get uh, get over and. Yeah, so this 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 attention is you know it's, it's kind of it's kind of a lot for him, but you know he's taking a stride and he had a surgery. Everything went well. I think he broke like he said he broke like every bone in the ankle he could break. Oh. They said, and um, which I said, of course he would. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but uh, he called me and he's doing good, and he called me out like. He was still kind of, he was a lot of pain, of course, yeah. after surgery. Yeah. But uh, he'll make a speedy recovery. He's going to come back. He's going to focus on getting just the best shape of his life. He might come back in a big jean jacket on Raw. <laughs> Jacks and the gills. <laughs> win the Rumble. Like, he's just, he's just ready. So, Tom Cass is ready just to, just to get back on the on the right track to get back in that ring to continue referee and 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 continue he's doing what he loves man he loves this business so yeah i mean i i can imagine he's going to work as hard as humanly possible to get back and beat the time that the doctor said he would be out he could 
He's going to pull a Triple H John Cena. That's what I predict. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, another local, you know, Tom Cash used to, used to referee for you. And, you know, we, last week you were at the APW show, which you had a hand in, and you got to see Jungle Boy against Brian Alvarez of Figure Four Wrestling Observer fame. And we got to hang out, you know, after. Well, I didn't really, we, you and I didn't really get to hang out because I was stuck at Bellator for so dang on, dang on long. But, <laughs> um, you know, you got to, we got to all sort of hang out and do that thing. It's fun when Brian comes out here. But uh, what did you think about that match? And, and how did how did things go from the, you know, I, could, I know you guys have another show this week, but like, how was the whole thing? They went out great. I think it was, it was the best match of the show, honestly. Um, when it came to like heat and crowd interaction, you know, Brian's a really good worker, and it was funny that you know I, I took him to the show. We talked. We mostly talked about our kids and all that stuff. So we didn't talk too much wrestling, and then. You know, I gave him some promo time in the beginning because this is a new, you know, Union City. We only work this, we only do this show like once a year in Union City because it's mostly a fundraiser that we do. It's a fundraiser that we work with a another gentleman on, and he uses APW talent. Has some of his friends wrestle on his show, the show as well. So it's kind of like a collaboration thing. Mm-hmm. So you know, I wanted Brian to have some time to get some heat, ref, you know, kind of refresh the story to him and Jungle Boy, and he did a great job cutting that promo. And they had a really good match. I think it's one of Jungle Boy's best match. Um, different style match. You know, Brian slowed him down and told a more uh, a focused story, I guess, just to say, instead of like a lot of action. Like Jungle Boy's matches have a lot of action, a lot of spots. You know, um, kind of like you know this generation's wrestling. You know, a lot of big moves, and he's a he's a really good, talented kid. But uh, Brian, you know made him tell a story and brought him, you know, slowed him down a bit. And I think it was for the better. I think, I think Jungle Boy learned from this match and the crowd was going crazy. The crowd was really into everything. And Brian was such a good little pesky heel. And, mm-hmm. I mean, so much that one fan punched him in the stomach. <laughs> I, I mean, I like, you know, they didn't come in just now and Jungle Boy held him up for a fan to probably chop him. Cause he was there, you know, Brian's big thing likes to chop guys shreds yep yep and so jungle boy held him up for some kids some high school kids to chop him but one kid threw up <laughs> the bolo punch in the, in the stomach and uh brian you know had to sell it so but yeah you know the finish was uh you know jungle boy debuted a new finisher he wanted to try and i thought it actually came off pretty good and uh it was it was a good match i i, I really 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 liked that match and uh the promoter marcus jacobson was uh you know he Immediately to me before it started, it's like I don't know if I have high hopes for this because you know he, you know Brian's not that type of wrestler that Jungle Boy normally wrestles. That, yeah, you know, a lot of action and spots, but uh, at the end of the night, that was his favorite match of the night, and so which is great for me because I really like Brian. Think he's a talent, and looking forward to having him back in APW sooner than later. Just got to figure out the best scenario for him coming up. I'm glad to see that it came to fruition because there was an entire angle that you had helped kind of create early on when uh, they started it, which is, you know, Brian is doing stuff on his radio show and he's talking about who's this kid, the Jungle Boy, and then Jungle Boy's having matches and then Jungle Boy gets signed to AEW. And so it was building to this to this match and then. 
you know, unfortunately, uh, Luke Perry passes away, and so that kind of stalls things. But, you know, uh, the whatever whatever it is that that there, there's just something that Jungle Boy has that makes you a just want to root for him to no end, and just you just all, all you want to do is just see this guy be as successful as humanly possible. But b you just like him. Like I, I can't imagine anybody looking at at Jack and going, you know what? I don't really like that kid. He, there's something that that bothered. Like, how can you possible, right? That's not humanly possible. He's just so likable, and so this thing kind of coming together. And Brian being that heel, who's you know, we, we were actually talking during the day, and uh, we we're talking about the Jungle Boy moves, and I was like. I was like, okay, well, are you going to take this? And he's like, uh, I may have to talk him out of that one. Are you going to take this? Uh, we may have to have a discussion about that one. Like, he was just <laughs> going through all this stuff that, that you know, Jungle Boy is so great at, right? And it's so, it's it's and it's not like Jungle Boy's doing crazy stuff because, you know, he's trying, like, he can just do it because he's so damn athletic and it looks good. But Brian was like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. But I, 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 I think I can take that one. I may not be able to take that one. And it was just so funny to hear him because he really wanted to be the old school heel who uh-huh. berates the local baby fate. Like, that's his idea, right? So it was just, it, I was so happy that everything came out and, and, it, and it worked out in the end. Yeah, me too. You know, it's like... You know, actually, I wasn't the one that actually came with the idea originally. Like, like Marcus came to me and said, "What about Brian Alvarez?" And I was like, "Oh," <laughs> and I just like, and I just ran with it. You know, I actually had a, a three match program set up, featured tag with Tom. It's like a bunch of stuff was supposed to happen that kind of blew up because you know one thing or another, right? You know, not just the, the, his you know, Jungle Boy's dad, Luke Perry, passed away, but there's this weather conditions for mm-hmm. one show in february there's getting dates on tom lawler um it's just you know because he's a busy guy so like it just didn't really pan out but um you know I'm, I'm glad they end up having a really good match it's up on youtube go to all for wrestling uh youtube slash all for wrestling and uh you'll 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 find uh brian Alvarez jungle boy just type that in and, and, and you'll find it it's a good solid uh good solid wrestling match all the way around and and jungle boy like like i said i think it did really well to work a guy like like brian because i don't think he's getting booked with guys like that yeah yeah and um you know jungle boy has still a lot to work on he has like a very unique charisma uh he needs a little bit more fire like within the match like i'm talking about like just like look at the crowd engaging a little bit more with the crowd you know, just 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 little moments, little character moments that he needs, and and that'll come with reps. Match. That'll just come with reps, right? And the more matches he does, mm-hmm. he'll he'll figure out things that work well. He'll have a vet in the back telling him to you know slow down, kid. You know, soak it in, sell this, or you know, do this, whatever. And that that's just part of his growth as a, as a wrestler because he's so young still. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's very young, and he's a long way to go still. But uh, he's going to be a star. I believe it, and you know he just like I said. I think he just like you have to cheer for that kid on. Absolutely. So while you were at APW, unfortunately, I didn't even get to see the match. Though you sent me the finish, and I tweeted that out because I know the uh, the observer audience was interested in seeing what happened. Um, and so we tweeted that out, and then both both of us tweeted out the actual match. So hopefully, people will be able to find that fairly easily. I was actually at Bellator in San Jose. Um, 
That was a pretty darn good MMA show with uh, John Fitch and Roy McDonald in the main event. Um, you can read the I did the running play by play on fightgameblog.com. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, we didn't really get to sync up, but it was, it was a long night of we're, we're both sort of, uh, you know, you, you've got one half of the dynamic duo of Wrestling Observer Radio and I had the other half of the dynamic duo of Wrestling Observer Radio. <laughs> well, we, we made sure that they both got to do their jobs. So that's where we fit in. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, I was like, it's, I was also bummed too, cause I kind of wanted to go see that. Bellator show and and it's kind of been a while since I've seen a live MMA show. So yeah, yeah. I was like, oh man, that'd be a good show to see. Next thing, I boom, we got APW show that same day. But it's all good. It was it was it was fun. It was it was cool to hang out with Brian. Um, um, I know I've hung out with him a few times, obviously, and but like you know, just hitting him one on one, just talking, talking about our families, you know, getting a you know good bond together. So that was cool, and then. And look forward to having back the shows and just hanging out again. Yeah, no, it's fun. Whenever he comes out here, it's a short time, but it's it's always fun. Um, so quickly, the only thing really we're going to talk WWE. Uh, we'll have a we'll have another thing at the at the very end uh, before we get to Raw. Other than Raw, I was about to say, uh-huh. is uh, the ratings for Raw and SmackDown were so bad this week. It was almost to the point of where. Um, not that I never thought that they could get as low as they currently are, but, you know, anytime you, you don't give, you know, the audience, you know, essentially what they want sort of to keep them interested, uh, this stuff can happen, but it just seems like, you know, we usually have that WrestleMania malaise and this Uh year people were just defiantly against, you know, against, uh, watching and maybe, you know, we could say, oh, you know, NBA playoffs, but NBA playoffs are this time every single year, right? There's nothing really different in the media landscape, uh, that, that would be the reason for the, for the drop in the ratings. But, um, you know, we both follow the business very closely and we both also are not really watching Raw and SmackDown. Uh, what are like, do you have any immediate thoughts on, you know, kind of the reason why or why you feel like you know the ratings are so in the toilet well who's who's over you know i mean there's people that are over and it's to a certain extent but like there's no superstars there's no person that's getting the mainstream the casual viewer to come tune in it's right now it's just the hardcore fans that uh routinely watch raw and smackdown right that's the routine every monday and tuesday they watch but like the casual fan that likes to tune in and because something that has their interest is just not there because nothing has their interest like there's really no one over like i i just always say like certain people who are superstars and there's people that are just wwe stars right and so like a guy like there's no the rock there's no austin there's no even john cena you know what i mean like there's just no those those guys around it's just WWE stars and fans are just just not interested. And plus, it's for a casual audience. You imagine tuning in to watch Raw and you've seen one champion and tuning in to see another champion. I mean, it's just all confusing too. I think it's hard for people to even keep up. Like, who's who's what? What's important? Should I watch this show? Should I watch that show? Um, you know, and WWE, like, you know, when it comes to bringing up these new stars for NXT, it's like they just treat them like they're just another guy or gal in the card so they're it's just very just that's what i think it is i think they're just not drawing that casual audience right now and and slowly faster than 
normal, I think, you know, they would get fans and fans would be just creature habits to continue to watch. But I think those fans now, those younger fans, are actually getting to other things faster. Like they're moving on to the NBA or, or you know, other sports like that. But, you know, like I I think that's what's happening. I think younger fans, as they get older, maybe they're younger, they're into it when they're like in late elementary school, junior high, but once they get to high school, it's on to something else, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I think that could be a part of it too. So I think like I was trying to think of what could be like such the reason for the like the, the drop as, as steep as it's been. I think it could have been two things. Now, not a huge percentage, not the biggest reason, but as a fan, when I watched the Raw after WrestleMania, I went, okay, this is usually an entertaining show. They kind just by it being the Raw after WrestleMania, there's usually a, a surprise here or there. There's something that you know you you kind of get. Uh, rewarded for tuning into this show. There's some wackiness with the crowd. The crowd wasn't wacky at all. But <laughs> when the main event had uh, Cesaro and Sheamus in it, instead of whomever people thought maybe coming down the aisle, Undisputed Era was the one that I think some people thought, oh, what, or what if it was them? I think fans felt like, okay, uh, I feel a little bit let down after watching seven and a half hours of WrestleMania. This, this show is usually really fun, and it wasn't, and uh, I'm kind of bummed out. But on that show, they promised Raw and SmackDown, Superstar Shake-Up, see, your, you know, see what happens on these shows when your favorite superstars, you know, are they going to get drafted by whatever brand? And when you watch those two shows, you're like, when is something exciting going to happen? And so I feel like, that not that this is a bait and switch in any way, but WWE set themselves up with such unrealistic expectations and did not deliver on them. Even They didn't even come close to delivering on them on those three shows, or four shows, the Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania and the, uh, the Superstar Shake-Up shows. So... Is it the fans' fault for having high expectations? It's maybe somewhat. Maybe maybe the un- expectations were unrealistic. Is it WWE's fault for promoting that special stuff was going to happen? And then when you stand back and you take yourself out of that hardcore fan mode, you go, oh, a couple of guys moved to different feuds, but sort of like you said, nobody is over enough for me to even care. And I think that I think that's a big problem. You know, when 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 you are turning off a hardcore fan base who is who sticks with you through thick and thin, something is wrong, and they need to figure it out. Um, you know, I, I asked Dave this on uh, Wrestling Observer Radio. I said, "What would happen if Conor McGregor, the Conor McGregor that walked into UFC five years ago and was like, I'm going to be a star.'" What would happen if he went to NXT or WWE right now? Like, what could he, would he get over? And I think the answer is no, because of the way that they want, of the, of the way that they train, you, you, a lot of it is, you know, the machine is a little bit more important. You know, these, these guys, like, you know, Leo Rush is a bad example, but he sort of has that mentality of, you know, he wants to get over. He thinks he deserves the most. He thinks he's a star. Maybe other people don't think he's a star. He acts out. He's kind of brash and cocky and whatever. But I feel like you could hand them Dwayne The Rock Johnson 
or Conor McGregor, and they would fit those guys into how they perceived they would be. And this is not a knock at NXT because that product is awesome, but I think it's a knock at just the idea of what they want out of their pro wrestlers because when you do have a Brock Lesnar and you do have a Chris Jericho and you do have a Ronda Rousey, they call the shots and it's hard to manage that kind of talent. So you could have a couple of those guys and now Ronda's gone and, you know, Brock is 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 not there right now. And Jericho, they were like, no, nah, you go over there to AEW. So they don't have anybody right now who sort of stands out and is bigger than life. And it's, it goes back to exactly what you said. But it's also because they don't build characters in that way. They, mm-hmm. you know, that's not their model. Their model is to do it in a specific way, and that's how it's been working. And so maybe the chickens have come home to roost or whatever. But I think it's it's pretty. It, this is a pretty loud signal that fans are saying, "Okay, we're tired of this. You need to change it up." Yeah, because you got you got talent that comes up, and they. NXT does a great job of getting them over, but when they come up to the main roster, it's like, I guess I always my always my analogy is like it's almost like you have a horse ready to make the race, doors open, he's ready to go, and they shoot him in the leg, like, and now he's limping, you know, now he's limping his way to the race. It's like that's why I think happens with like these new call ups every time, like like Alistair Black, for example, shouldn't be stuck in a team with Ricochet. I'm sorry, they're a great team, they're good, they're they're talented guys. But Alistair Black is an individual character. He should been like running through people since his debut, like beating this guy with a big kick, beating this guy with a big kick, like slowly building up so people like get behind him, like like the Goldberg thing, you know what I mean? Something like that, like get people like building and like, man, I can't wait to see you start working this guy. When he's gonna wrestle this guy? When he's gonna make the main events? When he get his title shot? He's slowly building up. That stuff's like gone now. It's like they rush these guys or they have to have them pay their dues all over again. It's just, it's just funky, you know? It's just, it's just a, like, I mean, we can go through the whole list and it's like, it's like every NXT call up, you yep. know? Yep. Like, look at, look, look, look at poor, like, Nikki Cross. What a unique character that she is. And, and she's just doing nothing. And they broke up Sandy, who was a great trio, great gimmick. Uh, and they're doing nothing. Uh, AOP, Authors of Pain. Now, I know one guy's hurt, but even before that, their manager was peeing on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're not they're not booked to kick ass, and uh, I think people get frustrated and they're just like, okay, I'm on to something else. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so the bigger picture here is, um, you know, I think WWE's going to be fine from a uh, business perspective because they, they they the 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 new TV deal doesn't even start. Yeah, hasn't even started yet, right? So they're they're going to be in great shape from a monetary perspective. Now, the popularity of their product is obviously going down, and they have to figure that part out. But there's this other company called AEW that still does not have their TV deal signed. And I wonder how... This the these WWE ratings, you know, WWE's the the biggest show, you know, in town. How these ratings affect the business uh, of AEW's deal? Now, you know, I, I I would imagine that they're probably pretty close to signing, so maybe it doesn't affect it at all. 
but I hope that they're close because if uh, you know SmackDown did uh, what was it one point eight three three million viewers like what what if what if the floor is like one five like what if you know what if they get to that level like how can you how can you uh, pay that much money for basically the secondary wrestling company if the top wrestling company is showing that they are not very popular so all those things sort of work together and 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 there's this ecosystem of of tv uh you know companies and what they'll pay for content and all that stuff so i I mean i I would hope that that aew is totally fine and and and, you know that they have their their stuff ready to go but man i you know it's just such bad timing for that because uh wwe it seems like their ratings have not hit the floor yet it seems like there's still a possibility of getting um you know going down than than what they were so that's sort of something to look to look forward to or to to look at in the next coming couple weeks so i wanted to play a game with you (laughs) called buy low sell high and the idea of this game is to look at a wrestler who is maybe not being pushed or maybe people don't know about he him or her or maybe for whatever reason you know that they're on the outs uh with uh you know with their their company with wwe or whatever and uh so you buy buy low on a guy or the second option and and we'll do both is to sell high so someone who is is being pushed someone who is you know a star who you're like mm, i'm not sure what's going on here uh, i'm gonna sell i'm gonna sell this stock uh, and make some money and, and i don't think it's going up anymore so that's the idea behind the game i'm gonna go first with my buy low and it's somebody that we just talked about earlier and i'm gonna give you my reasons why but it's jungle boy I'm buying low on Jungle Boy because I think he's going to be the 2019 version, or actually, let 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 let's push out to the he'll, by by 2022 or 23, he's going to be this era's Ricky Morton. And what I mean by that is, I you know he's still going to do his crazy moves, right? That's just what he is. But I think what he's going to get really good at, and th- and this is what the match with Brian showed us is that the way he's going to get over like crazy is by selling and by being bullied and by fighting from the bottom and coming out on top. And like I, like we said last week, I, I think the other thing I think is he's going to really have a high popularity of, of the young female kind. <laughs> um, and so that's who I am buying low. I'm buying low on Jungle Boy because I think he's going to be amazing at that role in addition to being you know a a really great high flyer so that's who i'm buying low on do you have anyone who you're buying low on oh man i'm gonna buy low on shane strickland i know he just made his just made his debut in nxt tonight tapings but I think he's going to be under the radar a little bit. You know, he's a part, you know, his signing was featured and everything, but I think uh I think he's going to end up being a uh I think he has potential to be a big time star if <laughs> if WWE changes the ways when it comes to how they're going to push these guys when they get up to the main roster. I think he has 
he just has that uh, he has that he has a certain charisma about him, and I th- I think he I think he can definitely become something that people can grab onto and, and connect with. Um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna buy low on him right now. That's a great one. All right, who am I selling high on? People are gonna get very mad at me with this one. <laughs> <laughs> I am selling high on Becky Lynch because I think they are screwing her up so badly. Mm-hmm. The angle of her having to defend her title twice at Money in the Bank is dumb. Um, uh, I, I I don't understand why she and Charlotte are having another match. Like, why are we not saving this match? Why, you know, I, I okay, Becky Two Belts is kind of cool. It's kind of a cool thing, but it's only a cool thing if you know where you're going with it. Then you can book something cool out of Becky Two Belts. But they don't know. They didn't know what was. Maybe they didn't know. Maybe this was the plan. I'm trying to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But man, like I just feel like they are just destroying this poor woman. And I not that I predicted it because I didn't want it to happen. But I said, if you remember on our WrestleMania preview when uh, when Dave Dutra and and uh, the Heartbreak Kid and uh, and and Rod the Bod were on, I said. That she's gonna really miss Ronda Rousey because that was her foe. That was the person that people could boo like crazy, and that would cheer her like crazy because they wanted to boo Ronda like crazy. And now she doesn't have that, and so she's stuck with, you know, a sort of a middling raw feud, and with Lacey Evans, and she's got the match with Charlotte, which will be great. But it's almost like, like we need to save that for a bigger match and and we're just going to give it away on this money in the bank show just because we you know we have no other thing and i'm just so frustrated because she she had the opportunity to to be a such a strong character maybe someone they could even get behind and maybe could be a main event character and i i just don't feel that way anymore i mean we kind of we kind of been predicting that since like january Right, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of saying like after WrestleMania, when Ronda leaves, it's, it's going to have she's going to have a, a tough go, and you know, WWE creative after W after WrestleMania it always suffers a little bit. So, <laughs> excuse me, sorry, apologize. Um, um, I'm going to sell sell high on AJ Styles. Hmm. Unless they decide to go heel with him on the Raw roster, I'm going to say I don't think he's going to do much. I mean, he's going to have a great match with Seth Rollins at Mind the Bank, but they need to – what else happens? Because, you know, Seth is top A face there, so AJ definitely needs to go heel. They need to do some kind of program with them, Seth. I don't know if that means – is Carl and Luke – on the raw now, I think so. Maybe bring them back to get some steam on those guys again. So or something, you know, like this gotta be something with AJ. And, yeah, and because if they're just gonna have a good match. I, I expect some shenanigans to happen. So, but I don't trust it. Though. I mean, that's my mind. I think, oh man, you know, this could lead into something really cool with Rollins and Styles. Yeah, but. I don't know, just the way how things been booking and they haven't really followed through with like a lot of stuff and so they just have potential there. They don't they don't take advantage of it. Um, so I, I think AJ is going to be in that middle road babyface on Raw, 
instead of being uh, the heel to to you know to feed with Rollins. That's just, that's what they need right now. All right, so uh, so yeah, that's a, that, that's buy low, sell high, everybody. We'll uh, we'll see how that works and maybe make it a, a regular thing. But we may run out of people to uh, to sell high on. We may be selling the entire roster at some point. Yeah. Uh, um, okay, so a cup a couple of boxing notes now. Uh, Amir Khan and Terence Crawford, which we talked about last week. The num the pay per view number I'm seeing is 150k in pay per view buys, which is really bad. <laughs> um, a little bit lower than I thought, at least. Uh, so that you know that's news in of itself. But it also leads to this weekend's fight, which is Canelo Alvarez and Danny Jacobs. They are not on pay per view. They are on DAZN, and this model of subscriptions, uh, twenty dollars a month. You know, can you are, are you going to be okay with paying that every month? Maybe not, but maybe you'll pay it for this month because you just want to see Canelo and Jacobs so badly. I will tell you that the build up to this fight, which you know you can only see online, right? Like, because like there's that that's the gimmick, is been really good. And uh, if you haven't, uh, there's a they, they there's a docu series. It's I think it's only two episodes actually, tw- like twenty three minute episodes called 40 days and it's canelo and jacobs you learn a lot about jacobs you know i think pretty much everyone knows what they need to know about canelo uh, but jacobs is such a compelling guy cancer survivor father kind of you know he, he's well known in the boxing community uh but not not as well known you know mainstream as someone like canelo or, or triple g he gave triple g a hell of a fight uh yeah, a couple years ago and uh, and I think this is uh, this is his coming out party, and if he if he goes toe to toe with Canelo and it's a close fight, or maybe he pulls out the upset, we will see if you could actually create a star on a streaming network service because on pay per view, if Jacobs was able to beat Canelo, he probably would be one of the next big things, and so we'll see what the value is of that subscriber service. So I think it's one of the, I think it's one of the, uh, the few fights that I would say is worth whatever you have to pay for it. Not that, you know, not that DAZN is paying us to say that. I, I just like, I just really like this fight. And so what I wanted to do was, uh, I wanted to read a prediction from our good buddy, Robert Silva, who, uh, along with Duan and Matt Prentice and uh, Danny Acosta and a couple other guys, you know, I, I kind of look to for for you know my boxing knowledge, and they're they're so knowledgeable. But I asked I asked Robert for a prediction, so he sent it in. I told him I'd read it on the air. I'll, I'll read it quickly. So Robert said, ever since losing to Floyd Mayweather over five and a half years ago, Canelo Alvarez has improved leaps and bounds as a fighter. He's without a doubt both a premier body puncher and boxer puncher in the sport today. No fighter active outside of Manny Pacquiao has defeated more Hall of Famers than himself. This coming Saturday night, you can add Danny Jacob to the list of quality fighters Canelo has defeated. Jacobs is one of the most heroic fighters in the history of the sport, overcoming a battle with cancer and near paralysis. The fact that he overcame such insurmountable odds is not only becoming a multi-world champion, but also set it, setting the blueprint for defeating Gennady Golovkin by outboxing the feared slugger before losing a razor-thin edge decision to Triple G two years ago is a testament to both his heart and determination. 
But since that tremendous performance two years ago, the now 32-year-old cancer survivor has struggled mightily in all three fights since, winking tough decisions over fighters nowhere near the level of the 28-year-old of his 28-year-old opponent this coming Saturday evening. This, combined with Canelo at the very peak of his career, will result in either a late stoppage or convincing decision for the man who, in my opinion, will go down as the third greatest Mexican boxer of all time. So there you go. Robert thinks Canelo's going to win. Um, I would probably lean uh, very closely to what Robert said. I'm, what I'm hoping for is I'm hoping for a great showing for Jacobs because you know you need more big you, you need more top guys in in all of these sports, right? And, and if Jacobs does fight a terrific fight, he could be uh, he he could be uh, you know uh, someone who's who, who's very very much a fan favorite of the masses. Are you gonna? I don't imagine you have DAZN, so you probably won't be able to watch this, right? No, but, God, this is what I was talking about earlier off-air, but my days are so off. I'm like, dude, I want to watch that fight. <laughs> and I realize, I know it's a Saturday, but I have AWM on Friday, but AWM on Friday means I best stay home with the family on Saturday. So, yeah, going to miss it. Um, I think Canelo's going to win, so I, mean, I just wanted to watch it, but I think Canelo's going to win anyways, but... Uh, but yeah, it should be a good. Hope it's a good fight. Hope hope the zone the zone does well and the subs go up and you know and it'd be cool. If there's an upset though. That'd be awesome. But uh, now I think I think uh, Robert has it right. You know, Canelo's gonna be a late stoppage or just or just be dominant. You know, he's he's in his prime. You know, he's the best boxer out there. One of the best boxers out there right now. So yeah, I think I think I think he has it. So. Um... That day, that Saturday that you were just talking about, the Warriors play Houston in Game 3 of the uh, second round of the Western Conference playoffs. And I think that starts at 5.30. The UFC show is uh, with the main event of uh, Al Iaquinta and Donald Cerrone. I think that main event fight will probably be around 7.30 or 8 and then probably around 8, 8.30 is the Canelo fight. So mm. if you sort of work it correctly, it could be a pretty amazing sports evening for the uh, the sports fanatic. So I'm, tr- I'm going to try to figure out how to watch, you know, each and every and all if I can. But um, we'll see. I- I'm sure I'm sure I will be talking about some of or, you know, pieces of that stuff this weekend with Big Dave. All right. The MMA tie, you know, we talked a little bit about Bellator, but the big MMA tie to this show is Dana White saying that Brock Lesnar is not going to fight, which I think a lot of people are now saying, oh, you know, I I knew it, you know, even though he stayed in the drug testing, you know, he's just using uh, Dana as leverage for Vince so that he gets the best possible contract out of Vince. And that may be partially true. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know if I even believe believe the story that that Brock is entirely retiring and not going to fight because I feel like whenever he needs to use that leverage, he will figure out a way to use it. Um, but the model of the UFC today, with the um, the ESPN Plus and getting all that money up front for ESPN, really, no matter how many pay per views they sell. Mm-hmm. It sort of gives these fighters, you know, these the Brock Lesnar's and the Conor McGregor's and those guys, it gives them less leverage overall because 
their the, the their value to the UFC was in increasing the average of of their uh you know their pay-per-view shows and and you know multiplying it times two or three and that's where the value was but now if you're getting a flat fee from espn for every show that you do you don't necessarily need those guys as much anymore so i thought that was interesting i sort of wondered about the leverage and you know maybe maybe brock just doesn't want to fight anymore and that's the thing but i also wonder if to dana he's like eh I don't really need to bother with you anymore, dude. Like, like uh, you know, go back. I'm fine with you being in WWE. We, I get paid either way. I wonder if, how much of it was some of that. Maybe it's some of that. And, but I still think Brock picks that phone call up. You know, picks that phone up and calls Dana again. Me too. Starts talking, and they're gonna start talking, and rumors are start flying, and blah 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 blah, and and then you know, once that happens, I mean, he's gonna use that to leverage WWE, and then. Get more money WWE than do WWE because it's a better schedule and and you control it and you know so I think it's just part of the game. Dana's playing the game to Brock. Brock's gonna play it back. I mean, it's kind of like the same story, really. You know. Okay, here here's the move. I, I'm gonna pretend I'm Brock Lesnar, even though Brock Lesnar and I are probably the two most opposite individuals in the world. <laughs> But I love him. Like, you know I love him. He's like the best businessman of all time. Um, here, Here's the move. Uh, okay, Dana. Um, yeah, you know, uh, you know, here's my price. If you don't want to do it, fine. You know, I don't, I, you know, I'll just keep wrestling for WWE. Oh, hold on, Dana. Hold, hold on. Can you, can you hold on? Scott Coker is on the other line. I got to take this call from Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and i think that's the move right because if you want dana to act you get scott coker involved and viacom and you go hey scott i know you got this young heavyweight champion ryan bader uh i know that he's also fighting chet congo in his next yeah. fight <laughs> like how about how about ryan bader versus brock lesnar in the lights how, how would that look you know in in, in san jose you know, at the end of the year for your big show in San Jose or wherever, you know. How about I do a warm-up fight on underneath versus Jack Swagger? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, now, you know, you know, the zone's throwing around some big money. So, you know, there's that too. Also Viacom and Viacom, the zone and all them throwing their money in there to get Brock. I can see that happening too. That's a good, good play by Brock. But then Dana will be like, Hey, wait, hold on. on." ESPN, they hold on. You know? So, yeah, I think we just made Brock some more money. Sure. I think we should uh, definitely talk to uncle Paul and figure it out. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find his number. Um, Okay, so uh, I just wanted to make one more mention. I think we talked about this a little bit last week, which is the Von Erich doc is out on Vice. So if you have uh, if you have that channel, definitely watch it. Um, I, I've been hearing, you know, I watched it a couple weeks ago, and I was wondering if uh, how people are going to react. And I, you know, they're reacting really well. It's it's the best one. I, I still need to watch the next two, which is the Gino and then the Mula doc. But um, it's it's pretty it's. I, this is the one where I think you can watch it with a significant other who is not a wrestling fan, and they will absolutely fall in. in, in there's heartache. There's you know, so there's a ton of heartache, but I think they will really enjoy the story, and they will feel you know feel for Kevin Von Erich like everyone else does. So 
not you know that that's kind of my review i do wish that they talked a little bit more about kevin's mom because i just the whole time i'm watching this thing where you know his brothers are passing away and i'm just thinking wow like what is his mom going through right now and you never really hear about that on this documentary so that's the only thing missing but otherwise it's i think it's the best one so far um so that is my update on the von eric doc and now I want to talk a little bit about a couple of videos that came out from a couple of wrestlers that I wanted your feedback on because I know that, uh, you know, when you think about wrestling, you're constantly thinking about how to book guys and how you would do things. And we broke down Cody and Dustin last week. But the first is the Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. Well, I guess he's now John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, the video that came out where he's breaking out of jail and he's, and he's, you know, jumping on the fence and he's pulling the barbed wire down with his hands and he escapes and, you know, he's a free man now, John Moxley. What did you think about that video? I like the Mox video a lot. I thought that was really cool. Enjoying the symbolism for sure, you know. And I think he has a plan. I think that video shows me he has a plan. You know, he put the money in, he put the investment in to make that that was like a two minute video. Or, mm-hmm. So I, I I like that, and um, it got me interested in him more than he had more I have than since his early days in WWE with the Shield, right? So we'll see what happens with him and where he goes, and I expect to see him on some indies for a while, and then he'll you know he'll play the game and negotiate i'm sure there's money to be made with AEW. there's money to be made to go back to wwe right after he has maybe some fun on the indies and we'll see we'll see what happens to him yeah he must have turned down a mountain of cash to leave those guys like can you imagine like there's no way in hell wwe wanted him to leave no 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 not at all the other video is the Cody's follow-up to the Dustin video from the, uh, last week. And Cody has this really, uh, the shadowing and the, and the darkness of, of the video. And he's, you know, he's uh, explaining the situation with Dustin. Somebody told me that they thought there was a Kylo Ren sort of symbolism in that video. I, I, I didn't really see it when I watched it, but I do know that Cody's like a gigantic Star Wars fan. Yeah, I didn't get the the Kylo Ren thing, but I thought it was a good promo, though. Really good on its own. Really good. I still think this program, this match, needs a extended program on television. There need to be multiple pro- promos like this. Yeah, know, yeah. Up to a match, but uh, but no. I, when it came to the the interview, I think you know Cody's fantastic. Um, a lot of his delivery. Um, I liked his haunting tone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I still I still stand by that this 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 match between Dustin and Cody between two brothers it needs to be flushed out more with a storyline that's going to be on TV. But we'll see. I I'm, I think they're going to have a good match, and and I hope it's heated. I'm sure it will be. I think that crowd at Double Nothing is going to be reacting to everything big, anyways, right? So. Yep. But, yep. But we'll. But we'll. You know, I just I still think they should have saved it for for television. So, do you think that um, at Double or Nothing, 
Do you think they need a surprise for that show to sort of lead into the other show that they have to do and then, you know, then going towards TV? Or would you save all the surprises for TV? Um, I think their big surprise would be the TV announcement. Yeah. Not, it's not necessarily a person like a Dean Ambrose or, or something like that. I think a Dean Ambrose would be better for the first episode. Yeah. Of AEW, that's what that's what I would do. I mean, right now, you know, it's just just I would just yeah, like the big announcement, the big surprise should be, hey, we're gonna be on this network and it's gonna be on this day, you know, that should be like the closing of the show, like just a big announcement like that. So, secondly, I, I don't I, I I don't even know the answer to this, and that's why I wanted to ask you just your thoughts on it. If you're AEW. Because Cody mentioned in that video the pissant bodybuilder, mm-hmm. which is a receipt for Triple H talking about the pissant whatever company or whatever on from the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And so it made me wonder if you're going to see these veiled shots at WWE, which I didn't think was going to happen. Like, I, I didn't think that that was going to be AEW's game. I thought that, you know, they wanted to kind of be friendly with WWE mm-hmm. like the the interview that Big Dave and I did with Kenny Omega like Kenny Omega's entire idea about what wrestling is is he's like everyone should work together like I don't know why these companies don't work together like we if, if you all make money like why does it matter and so I after after Cody made the pissant bodybuilder thing I was like okay that's a receipt but can you do stuff like that today in wrestling where let's say and we don't know if this is going to happen we're just fantasy booking let's say on the first episode of aew television through the crowd john moxley comes out and jim ross is like oh my god it's the former dean ambrose from the shield what is he flipping doing here right Mm -hmm. can you still can you do that today or are the fans too smart and are gonna see through it i mean I think you can still do, like, a special announcement like that. I think you should recognize his past. If you, like, say, say John Moxley debuts on AEW, you should definitely mention that he was formerly Dean Ambrose in the WWE, in the Shield. Yeah, you do all that in his debut, but then after after that, you focus on John Moxley, the character, right? Um, taking shots at WWE, I think all that stuff is childish. Um um, right now, WWE is kind of taking the hit with. I mean, with, with their audience, they might they might appreciate that, right? That they, they, they like that stuff, right? They they want them to take shots at, at WWE, but does it does it work with the the mass audience? Does it work with the casual view who turns in and be like, hey, who are these guys talking crap about WWE, right? Yeah, because they know WWE because this brand is them. As that's the major leagues to them, they tune in AEW and there's. Like I said, take shots at Triple H and whatnot. People might not take too kindly of that or look at them like, okay, let's see what you got. And, you know, um, you know look at ECW. They're, they're not around right now. And they took shots all the time so, <laughs> at but, WWE. But I guess what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is when Hogan becomes the third member of the NWO, mm-hmm. more than likely the only people who thought that was going to happen – are folks who are very closely watching the product and wondering, you know, doing a little bit of, of math about who's out there who could make an impact, or people who read The Observer, because Dave said a couple of times, I think, that he thought it could be Hogan. 
today, the wrestling fan base is so much smaller, and of that smaller fan base, the hardcores make up the majority of that. They will know <laughs> that if Moxley is there, mm-hmm. that he was signed X number of days ago, or that you know maybe they would know that maybe they would spoil it. Yeah, today they're probably chanting Dean Ambrose before he comes out, right? Because there's so yeah. much in the know, and I just wonder if you could still do that kind of booking where you're it's a surprise or you well, know. they they have to keep it a secret. I mean, as much as possible. I mean, I don't know how they're going to do that this day and age. If someone's, this is pro wrestling, man. Someone's always talking to someone, right? Yep. There's always yep. the news gets out so fast. It's amazing. And, 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 you know, everyone's kind of connected in somehow, some way. And I could definitely see it getting out. And so, yeah, it's tougher. Yeah, you're right. They'll be chanting Dean, Dean, or whoever, you know. You're right. It's tough. It's, it's definitely tougher to stay in age than it was in the in the late '90s when these surprises were happening weekly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, before we move on to our raw review of episode 14 from 1993, I just wanted to let folks know that um, we do have a Facebook group for this website, uh, Fight Game Media. Uh, Actually, the, it's it's the Fight Game Podcast Facebook group, but you know we're we're sort of you know, it's all the same thing. Um, if you go to the Fight Game Media Twitter account, you will see the first pinned post is how to join the group. Um, and you know, as long as you're a good person, I will accept you, and and you can hang out and chat with us, and you know we talk about everything. Uh, the other thing is that you know we have this YouTube channel now. Um, we're we're putting. Uh, we're going to be putting all of the raw episodes separately in just their own video so that, uh, you know, you don't have to listen to this whole show if you don't want to, to listen to the raw, our raw reviews of the 93 raws, uh, and they'll be in their own YouTube, YouTube, uh, feed. So if you want to subscribe to the fight game media, YouTube feed, just, um, just go to YouTube and just put in fight game media and you'll find us. And uh, subscribe, and we'll have videos weekly. Some of it is, you know, us talking about certain segments. Like last week, we put out the Cody and Dustin segment, you know, the 10 minutes that we talked about there, and you kind of fantasy book the whole thing of what you would do. Um, And then we also put up uh, Raw Episode 1 recently as well. So when John and I were talking about, you know, Raw from a guy we started this like 13 weeks ago, uh, we put that up, and we'll we'll follow sort of you know we'll be behind in YouTube obviously, but you know we want to create the, our own videos for for those shows as well. So those are two things I just wanted to plug, and now let's get to Raw episode fourteen, which I will call the funniest Raw, maybe of all time. Like I don't know, I, Bobby Heenan just had me dying the whole hour. Yeah, I was cracking up. And I was like, thank God, Bartlett's gone. And probably the brain is back and where he, where he should be, right? Right there. Calling the – just keep me laughing the whole time. Like he was quick and he was feeling it. He was happy to be back. You can tell. So think about this. You have Bobby the Brain Heenan there. He's he's your – you know your color commentator on on you know primetime wrestling and on some uh, some other shows and you decide to hire a comedian to fill his role 
And Bobby the Brain Heenan is funnier than the comedian that you hire to replace him. Like, how does that even happen? Like, so dumb. Like, we wasted 13 episodes watching Rob Bartlett be funny, like, maybe three times. And Bobby Heenan comes on this episode, and I, I literally laughed out loud, like, six or seven times. Oh, yeah. And then, like, it went by so fast. Like, it was, these aren't been, like, these quick hour episodes we've been watching go by fast but like i felt like this was like 20 minutes long like it just like breezed by all because of bobby because he was just cracking me up and like but you know like it's sometimes there's there's it's good to change things up but like not when you have an a plus guy like bobby Heen. a bobby Heen's a plus talent man yep. yep there's no one that could come in and replace him there's he has not only the comedic timing but he has the wrestling business sense because he was born and bred in his business, basically. He started yep. as a teenager. So, like, you can't bring this comedian from the outside who's just, you know, treading water trying to figure it all out. But, you know, it was just too much for Bartlett. Good riddance. They really didn't bury him on the way out, which I thought was interesting. It wasn't that big of a burial. But, like, you know, even Savage even stuck up for him, called him better than Bobby Heaton. I was like, Savage, bro. <laughs> <laughs> chill, chill out, man. Rant, he, but he didn't got him back though. Oh yeah, yeah, he definitely was on it. <laughs> Literally, as they're doing the the broadcasting, Bobby goes, uh, "McMahon, uh, can can we get rid of you know? Can, can we just get rid of Randy?" <laughs> <laughs> Randy's right there. Yeah. Um, so the only mention of Bartlett was that um, what well, there was a jockstrap joke like. Uh, did, did Savage say Heenan couldn't carry Rob's jockstrap or was it the other way around? It was something like that. And then Bobby yeah. goes, and, and then uh, Vince goes, oh, does Rob even wear a jockstrap? Ha, ha, ha. Like, that was his line. And so, they, you know, they, they do that. And then uh, quickly the brain gets right in the, in, the, in the thick of things. And he's just like, yeah, you know, when I got out of my taxi today, everyone was telling me I'm number one. They just throwing <laughs> up one finger. And I was like, this yeah. is this is the Bobby Heenan that I know and love, and I was so I've excited. That, I've used that line so many times, too. <laughs> it's such a good line. Um, and you know what was great was because Mr. Perfect's in the first match, he faces Damian Demento. <laughs> you know, Heenan has a history with Mr. Perfect, so... Uh, so I think I think Savage is the one who brings it up, and 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 he's like, oh yeah, you know, Mr. Perfect is so gifted, such a gifted athlete, not that bright of a guy, but just gifted. <laughs> he, 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 I was dying. It's um, like it's like low blows are just the best. Like he just like sneaks them in, which which I do at work constantly. But like, <laughs> not, I'm not as great as Bobby Heenan, but like, it's just so funny. I, I love it. I, I'm pumped that he's back. I didn't like this match very much. <laughs> I, I think, I thought Mr. Purvius mailed it in. He was just like, eh. Well, I mean, he's, he's, wait, he, I don't say he mailed it in. Come on, Garrick is awesome. Ter- worst, <laughs> worst knee lift I've ever seen him throw. Um... Nah. I mean, it wasn't that bad. And and when Demento <laughs> when Demento does the big splash, Perfect barely gets his knees up. It's just like I just thought he was just kind of like, eh, this isn't this isn't that big of a deal. I got an I, I got an angle at the end that's more important. I actually thought this match was fine. I think you know, Hennig was smart to work to the level of Damian Demento instead of trying 
to his level. So I think they had a nice, simple match. It, uh, I was just surprised he dinged Amendo again. Like, I know. I swear to God, this guy, I thought he was gone <laughs> like by March or something like that. But he's still there. Here we are, what, like late April. And, um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was fine. There was a cool moment when he, uh, David Nanto, like, pulled him to the outside. And he took that bump and landed on the cameraman. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah that, that was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, it's fine. Good, uh, good, good match. I mean, perfect plex was pretty sweet. Yeah, but you see David Nanto with his arm flaring, like, 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 what the fuck? I'd be pissed, dude. Like, bro. Just, yeah, just take the perfect plex. Yeah, I'm pretty sure perfect probably did something to his back or something later on in the tour <laughs> oh no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um okay the wackiest thing on this show is the next segment yes young jasmine mcneil who is probably as old as we are at this point does a poem that she wrote where she is dead and in a casket because she could not say no to her friends who influenced her to use drugs. That is literally what the poem is about. It was a good poem. It was. It, it was. It was very. Like it was crazy good. But I was like, oh my god! Like, what was ha, the title? No hope with dope or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. There's no hope with dope. Yeah. And so she. T-shirt. So she finally hits the punchline, looks right into the camera, and says, "There's no hope with dope." Then the gong plays, mm-hmm. and then they zoom. Then they like they they pan away, and out of the shadows comes the Undertaker, which made this really like really dark and and almost like I mean I you know you don't want to think of a young girl who already has that much sort of insight into into how dreadful something like you know heroin or whatever drug she was talking about could be. And then he makes it even darker, <laughs> like it was the weirdest thing. Maybe- or, or he made it funny because now you know the, to me kind of made it look, like when I forgot the Undertaker shows up in this, and, the, and I go, "Oh my god, I forgot about that." I kinda, yeah, I yeah I mean, it, it made it cartoony, but it like jolted me because I, I was like so into her poem. The Reaper. And then he just shows up. I was like, "What is he going to eat her? Like, what's going to happen?" <laughs> It reminded me of this old, like, kind of, like, skit comedy show. I'm trying try, try to remember if it was on the Comedy Central or something like that. But, like, these – I think it was, like, a British thing because, like, these guys, they, they would do a skit where, like, someone would dress up like the Grim Reaper and there'd be a guy smoking on a cigarette. he just pull up next to him <laughs> and, like, tap him on the shoulder while he's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> like, and and, and point to his watch, like, it's, it's coming. Like, I thought that was a funny gag. But, like, this is kind of something like that. You know, here's – Undertaker, the Reaper. Uh, there's no hope with dope. This is what this soap should be titled. This uh, this this fight game. <laughs> this fight. <laughs> uh, but I had a I had a I, I enjoyed it. I just remember like watching it, like oh yeah, I remember this because I think they played it a few times like on their TV. So it was pretty funny. I mean, it's a good poem, great poem by that girl who's yeah, who our age right now, probably hot. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Not listening to this podcast, probably. You never, you never know, Jasmine. Never know Jasmine, Jasmine McNeil. Everyone, I'm a reader. I'm gonna look it up on Twitter. <laughs> um, okay, so there's a show long segment uh, where they keep zooming in on a couple who who's in the crowd, and uh, 
the, the guy's name is Paul so- Soznowski. Soznowski, yep. And his girlfriend is Louise. They, Paul, at least Paul, was an Observer reader per the, the this issue of the Wrestling Observer. Yeah, he's, um, if you watch the old ECW shows, he's the Green Lantern guy. Okay. The guy, the guy's in the front row with the Green Lantern shirt. And also a lot of indies on the East Coast. Got it. So the idea was is that uh, Paul had a had a question that he wanted to pop to his girlfriend, and she didn't know. And Bobby Heenan was gonna show it, you know, was gonna interview him, and then he was gonna do it. So you know, the whole thing I was thinking of is it was only two years ago that Macho and Elizabeth do this on WWE TV. <laughs> And now Macho and Elizabeth are no longer at this point, I believe. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. And so I'm just sitting there going, like, you guys have some nerve doing this while Macho is sitting right there. I like that uh, Bobby Heenan's goal is to make her say no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, we, we, we don't have to talk about the rest of it. We can just talk about it now, but... He basically goes and so okay so my my thought was is Vince trying to make fun of who his audience is in this whole thing because the way that it, it was almost like here is our audience nerdy wrestling fan and virginal you know girlfriend because Heenan specifically said is you know have you been with anyone else and he said no and then mm-hmm. he asked her, have you been in with anyone else? And she was like, no. And he's like, well, how do you know that you, you guys are have, going to have any chemistry? Which is, like, very stereotypical of what people make fun of with, with wrestling fans, right? Oh, you know, all these wrestling fans are virgin booger eaters or whatever. And I was like, why would you make well, – if you're doing this, why are you making fun of your ringside fan base? And then the, and with the guys of Bobby Heenan – you know, doing it. So it's like he is a heel and making fun of you is his job, right? So Yeah. 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 I thought it was pretty pretty entertaining and it's funny how things come back to you like, oh yeah, I remember this. And I remember as a Green Lantern guy later on. I remember seeing seeing that. And it was funny because I think Vince had like this idea where they would come back from the seg the segment and say, Hey, before she gives the answer we got to take a commercial break. All of a sudden, she says yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Vince was probably a little PO'd right there. Probably yelled at Bruce Pritchard for that one. Yeah, yeah. I guess I think Pritchard was involved with getting with with uh, setting this whole thing up too. Yeah. Um, I wonder. I wonder how like I just wonder how like all it came about. Like how to start. Like how you contact someone and you know just it's it's just interesting. Like you know maybe he's at a previous raw or two he was saying hey i have an idea to put my girlfriend i do it on live on tv and they're like well, what the hell let's have fun of this and have fun <laughs> so my favorite match of the of the show lex luger against crush damn straight now th- th- this match was it had all the possibilities of being like slow and plotting and bad but it wasn't at all it was actually pretty darn good and they show us the X-rays of Lex Luger's forearm plate from the uh, the, the uh, motorcycle accident that he had had and had the had the plate installed. So they're now really uh, buying into this whole you know forearm thing that they were kind of hinting around you know uh, on previous episodes. So now it's out in the open. Lex has a steel plate in his forearm. 
Um, I think the funniest thing is uh, in this match, Crush, you know, does the the head the head squeeze, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know he's got he's got Lex uh, he's got Lex on his feet, and Lex has to get down to his butt, or I, I actually forget how they do it, but Lex literally jumps into position <laughs> twice. I was like, come on, well, dude, you think, have to jump think, so high. I think what happened, because the finish is uh, uh, Luger wins by countout when yeah. Crush, as he has the, is it called the Kona Crush? Yeah. Right, finisher on Luger, Doink comes out, and there's also another Doink on the opposite side of the building. On the uh, you know, Doink comes over on the balcony, you know, towards the entrance, and then there's another Doink, probably Steve Kern, on the other side of the building so crush is distracted luke hits him from behind with a big forearm you know crush goes over the top rope gets his hand caught <laughs> and then but he's supposed to be knocked out so the referee has to unlock him and he's, he's <laughs> counted out but i think doink took a long time to come out the other that segment I think oh. he was like because he was in that finisher for a long time and yeah i think it made uh crush's finisher look pretty pretty weak you know and i never liked that finisher anyways but but i thought luger look was really good in this match you know he definitely carried things he looks very motivated and excited i hope he, you know i don't know what he was drinking or doing <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh he looked really good was, my favorite part was like when when crush picked him up for the gorilla press slam and like because that's what luger's do to yeah. everyone right yeah 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 and even Luger goes like, what is he rolling out to the floor? <laughs> he looks to Brandy and Vince and goes, and Bobby goes, I do that to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. But, yeah, Luger looked, it looked really good, and then he took an arm drag like shit. But, like, you know, other than that, <laughs> like, I, you know, he was really good. He was really good, and uh, I, I, I enjoyed this match as well. Um, so, uh, the only thing I thought was Crush just looked like a dumbass because – you're gonna get mesmerized by Doink, who is in the balcony. Didn't even run into the ring. Didn't even come near the ring. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna get distracted so that Lex can hit you in the back. Yeah. Doink should have came from the entrance. Yep. Got onto the apron as as Crush lets go of Luger, or you know, or still has it on him. The finisher. The second Doink comes, attacks him from behind through the crowd. And it's a double beatdown on him, you know. Disqualification. Luger doesn't need to be, win by countout or anything at this point, right? But is it, it doesn't that become Lex's gimmick where he just starts knocking dudes out and they get counted yeah. out? Yeah. Or maybe like you know, as they're as a doink and the two doinks are double team and crush. Crush makes a little comeback, but on the on the you know just be just because he's just a slide jerk heel. Luger from behind knocks him out, you know, still. And leaves, and then the and then the doings attack them more. You know they could have done something like that, something cool. You know, but yeah, you're right. Like, why make the babyface look like an idiot? You yeah, know, he's already wearing like bright orange and bright yellow and purple. <laughs> like I know. <laughs> so uh, mark mark your calendars, June thirteenth, mm-hmm. King of the Ring. I'm ready. That's a good show. Perfect and doink qualifying match on superstars and back london luger qualifying match on challenge i gotta go find that match um so wait which one <laughs> backland versus lex luger oh okay i'm pretty sure i've seen it but I, it's probably been a while but i kind of want to see how it went 
I don't want to spoil it for you, but I think the finish is sort of similar to the one that we just saw. Got it. Um, so uh, I, something that fired me up was the Tatanka Ico Pro commercial. Mm-hmm. Very I, good. He's pumped. I was like, man, that's that's the guy right now. I did not like what they did to him later in the show, which which we'll talk about. But um, Mr. Hughes is in. Yep. Mr. Hughes against Jason Knight. They do the weird thing again where Bobby is flipping the channels on the TV. And I did see out of the corner of my eye, I think what I saw was Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back video. <laughs> yeah, I saw there was something on TNT, wasn't there? Or something too as well, or a basketball game or some kind there of sport. Was a, there, there was a baseball game for sure. Oh, yeah, baseball. I was more curious about the baseball game when I saw that. Because Heenan, Heenan does the Chris Berman back, 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 back line. Mm-hmm. And then Vince Vince uh, tries to let us know that Heenan skipped through porn. Yeah, the scramble vision. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, but I, I still don't get it. Like, it doesn't, like, it's you're flipping through shows so that you can promote what's going to stay on after Raw. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of a goofy thing that they're doing. Yeah, it's definitely a goofy segment. It's super weird. So then we get the smoking guns. In a video, these two big jacked up guys on on horses. And not gonna talk about not gonna talk about sure who's a match. I mean, it was it, it was <laughs> a squash <laughs> match. But yeah, you know, but was, he, he, he wrestled last long. He wrestled with his glasses on, like he like he did in WCW. Yeah, he didn't last long in uh, WBF. This time, and this this I don't think he last long. Even last time he came in, like with uh, with. Uh, Jericho, remember his Jericho bodyguard for like a minute. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, he looked. Uh, you know, I always liked Mr. Hughes in WCW. He was pretty, he's like, pretty menacing in the in you know on the show. He stood out as like a menacing mm-hmm. character. It's interesting that Vince allowed a WCW gimmick to be in WWF. Right, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always liked the uh, Curtis Hughes, Big Cat before that, and then Mr. Hughes and. I mean, Jim Ross is high on too, so I can see why he's why he's there, and yep. he looked yep. good. And Jason Jason Knight is uh, you know former ECW Television Champion, so there you go. After the smoking guns uh, little video, we have an interview with Shawn Michaels as he's huh. gonna he's gonna promote uh, HBK versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan next week. So that I, I think the show actually opens with that match. Yes. And uh, Sean, I'm very upset at Sean because he got his Sesame Street incorrect. He said Grover was the guy in the trash can when it is Oscar is the guy in the trash can. Well, he, let's give Sean a pass. He's been up since, you know, <laughs> five in the morning. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, the, you know, the whole thing, it, it's interesting because they're building towards, one, they're building towards the match against Hacksaw next week. But two, and more importantly, they're building towards a match with Mr. Perfect, which is the alluding back to the callback to WrestleMania 9 where, you know, Perfect goes back to attack and Sean kind of jumps him, you know, in the back, wherever that supposedly in the glamorous Las Vegas, <laughs> wherever that was in the shed <laughs> or whatever. And um, so Perfect goes back. So here's an interesting thing. And now I'm going to talk about the next segment, and then we're going to come back to this one because there was, I had a disconnect, and, and I think we can sort of 
how we how we mention it is like, oh, it's just wrestling. That's just how wrestling works. But they show a superstar segment with the great Ray uh, Raymond Rougeau. Mm-hmm. He hosts uh, an interview segment with Bam Bam Bigelow. And I don't know exactly why Sherry is also there, but he's kind of like manhandling Sherry. And so to save to save Sherry is Tatanka. Tatanka saves her. Um, and then he's about to come out for his match, and they play his music, and they don't see him. And Jerry Lawler's like, yeah, if I was him, I wouldn't come out either. And then uh, Bam Bam attacks him backstage and starts cutting his hair. So it, what's weird to me is... What they show is is the backstage of Tatanka getting his hair cut and getting beat up and getting knocked out. Or actually, they didn't show that part. He was already knocked out. But in the previous segment before, Perfect is running after Shawn Michaels, and we have no idea if he caught him. <laughs> they didn't go to the back to see <laughs> what happened. And so <laughs> I just thought it was like this weird disconnect because you're showing us what happens backstage in one thing. And then in the other thing, you're just like, oh, you know, he, who knows if he caught him or not. Yeah, that's, you know, like, well, they, the, you know, they go back. It's just, you know, at that time, they had this idea for the segment, right? For Bam Bam Tonka, but they weren't thinking like, oh, we should include this. The, 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 the running in the back and not showing you, is, it's just because you want to see more, right? They want yeah. you to want more. So uh, Tonka and Bam Bam's a little different. Um, it's the a continuation of a whole show storyline where earlier, you know, I thought they had a really good brawl, by the way, Bam Bam and Tatanka. I, I like the, the, the Tatanka jumping off the little uh, interview stage on mm-hmm. the Bam Bam. And then later on that evening in that, in that show, Bam Bam gets his revenge by attacking Tatanka. I felt bad for that little kid in that Tatanka shirt. I was waiting for <laughs> when his music is playing. And so now, now we're going, but now we're getting the, the, the long, Bam Bam to Tonka feud. I feel like they feud for like a long time with this. So um, Tonka's onto that, which I mean, I don't, I'm trying to remember their matches in the past, but I'm, I'm sure when I watch them now, they'll probably be a lot better than I remember. So, you know, let's see if it cools down because Tonka starts cooling down now, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, unfortunately. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, so I guess the thing that I would say is if you're going to do this, don't have these segments back to back. Like, mm-hmm. split them up. Like, so, you know, so I'm not wondering, like, why, you know, why did I want to see, did Mr. Perfect catch him? And then, and then I don't know. And then the next segment, you show me that the actual backstage stuff. I, w- I would have just split them up. All, all I kept thinking about when I'm watching the Perfect and HBK segment is like, man, this fuse seems like it's going to be really hot. And then they had the match. It just doesn't, doesn't work. I don't even remember. Well, when we get to SummerSlam 93, you'll we'll remember because it just was. I remember being so hyped for that match. I remember being excited, like, oh, that's going to be so good. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, like, Brett perfect. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it just, just, may I overhyped it too much, but it just, this just wasn't, wasn't, it was good. It was okay. It just, just wasn't, wasn't what I expected. So Typhoon is in the last match against Von Kruss, who we've seen several times. So he's still there, huh? Yeah, Typhoon is still there. Yeah, I mean, this at this point, I thought he was gonna have a job for life. He seems to be Vince's go-to when he wants to talk about something else. <laughs> instead of a wrestling match. <laughs> That's what it seems like to me. Yeah, because Hacksaw does call in. Mm-hmm. The best part of this whole thing is Hacksaw and Bobby Heenan talking trash to each other. Oh, 
Man. They're both so quick with the punchlines. I don't know if they had them sort of in their minds already or not, but they're both just so quick with the with like the, the jokes. I was I loved it. I think Haxall says he's excited to get there and pump. <laughs> I thought it was I, I liked I liked when he did when after it was over uh uh Savage goes, Man, you talk a lot of basically you take they talk a lot of trash to trash to Dougie, what are you gonna do when he's here, you know, next week? And he goes, Well that I, I won't feel man won't feel that way tomorrow next week. I might feel this way to now. And I'll tell you know I'm saying it now. It's just what's funny. I think Bobby like made a crack at Hacksaw, Hacksaw came back at him and then Bobby said that if Hacksaw was here, he'd slap him so hard it would straighten his eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be so hard to have Bobby back for till December. Is that when he leaves? Yeah, that's when uh, Gorilla kicks him out. I think it's like the first week of December. If, oh, if God, don't tell me that. Now I'm going to be so sad. I remember being like, what the heck? And we'll talk about it when we get there. But I remember being like, just like, oh, he's be back next time. Hey, he's not that much. Yeah. Um, so they they tease for next week. Kamala is in action and also the Hacksaw and Shawn Michaels match. Mm. And uh, yeah, Ty- Typhoon wins with the with the splash, of course. Over, and we're getting us. closer to that May seventeenth show, which when I was on Alan Farrell's show, Pro Wrest Paradise, um, he we when I you know gave my plugs um, at the end of the show, he's like, I booked myself on that. Show <laughs> oh yeah, I know, I know. We got to figure out how we're gonna record that segment because of the time difference. Um, we might have to make, I think we should just do it on its own and, and, and we should, I may have to be there live with you at, yeah. the, at the, uh, fight game media studio. So, uh, um, that's be probably the best thing to do is have to go over there, just cruise on over to the fight game studios and, and record and, and probably in the morning, probably the best way to do it. Yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, okay. So that's it for this week. The, the, um, you, you mentioned the show that you did with Alan uh, I meant to plug it earlier, but I'm glad that you plugged it now. Uh, it's sort of kind of is, is a whole segment of what's John watching. You did a whole podcast about about mm-hmm. stuff that you've been talking about. Give us a little bit of the breakdown of what you guys talked about on that show and then also where people can uh, can find it. Uh, they can find it on the Pro Wrestling Torch website. If you, it's just be a VIP member, so you have to be a subscriber to get it. It's Pro Wrestling Paradise. Uh, we talked Champion Carnival, All Japan, and I was with, with Alan and with uh, at Arnold Furious, Arn. Um, it was a great job, a great great time talking to those lads, as they like to say. <laughs> and uh, we just talked about, you know, our MVP of the tournament, our favorite matches, our hidden gems of the tournament that people may have skipped. And uh, we actually talked about, we didn't watch the finals yet, it was just leading up to the finals. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. I hope that you know, be on their show again. And, uh, you know, Alan's so passionate yep. about Japanese wrestling. And he's actually, he's probably one of the reasons that, that ignited my passion again. Cause he would be like talking about this guy and this guy and this guy. And, this guy. and I'm like, God, man, I gotta check. Maybe, maybe Japanese wrestling is getting better. And, and then, then I started getting into it. And now I'm like, well, watching everything. But now that the all Japan tournament's kind of stopped, I kind of can start watching some other stuff. I kind of neglected cause the tournament was, you know, almost daily, and mm-hmm. um, it was very good. And uh, the, the finals was absolutely amazing. Uh, beautiful match with, with 
Kento Mihara and Jake Lee. I mean, if you want, if you want drama, you want intensity, you want the crowd going nuts. I mean, it's definitely a match for you. I, I rated it four and three quarter star. I probably would have gone. I was kind of leaning towards five, but you know, four and three quarter star uh, was just in my mind, so I went with that. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I, I talked about it a little bit with Big Dave on one of the weekend shows, um, and uh, he did, he did say, hey. Um, how come my uh, all japan password is not working for the streaming life <laughs> that that that's that that's our running our running thing every time we do it it's it's just it's not working and then i figure out how to get it going oh um, um, <laughs> uh, uh so yeah so that's it so the what i want to outro is um uh my kid who is the person who does all of our youtube stuff he put out a song, which is now on Spotify and Apple Music, uh, and he, it's on SoundCloud as well. I just want to play us out on that song. And so what you're going to be hearing is uh, Brian's song called Runaway. So for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.